So we're we're picking up where we left off last week with the sevenfold faith confession that begins in chapter two, and we covered four of those last week, and we're going to finish that section off, and then in verse seven is is a, a command to kind of just believers in general, but believers surrounding us and surrounding the bride in this context. So I'll read the text for tonight out of Song chapter 2, starting in verse 4. He has brought me to his banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Refresh me with raisin cakes, sustain me with apples, because I am lovesick. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, or by the does of the field, that you will not disturb or awaken my love until she pleases. So at first glance, there's a lot of symbolism there. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, so we're going to kind of take this bit by bit. If you'll remember from, from last week... We've been examining this sevenfold confession of faith that was spoken by the bride and also affirmed by the bridegroom. She calls herself the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valleys. He says, yes, you're a lily among thorns. These confessions are ways that we can receive revelation of who we are as the inheritance of Jesus. So I have that scripture that we prayed ahead of time that we would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. A lot of times we read that scripture and people interpret it as our inheritance in him, but it's really talking about his inheritance in us. And I really believe that, especially in today's age, it's a battle for our affections and it's a battle for our eyes. And as we receive revelation of Jesus's affection toward us, it will produce wholehearted affection out of us for him. So as we long to seek after God, let it be with all that we are, we can declare these truths and know that we're declaring the glorious riches that the Father has deposited in us to make us worthy of His Son. So last week we talked about the Rose of Sharon, speaking of our wholehearted love for Him, and the Lily of the Valley, speaking of pure obedience before Him. We talked about how Jesus is the apple tree among the trees of the forest. He's the only one that can satisfy He's the only one that brings refreshing. And in his grace shadow, his shade, the, the shadow of the cross, we take great delight and we sit down and his fruit is sweet to our taste. Now we're, we're moving into verse 4 where the bride is being taken to the banquet hall. If we look at Roman numeral 2, we'll, we'll talk about this banquet hall or it's literally translated to mean house of wine. If you look at the Hebrew, it, it means literally house of wine. So I use some of those terms interchangeably, and some translations put house of wine, some put banqueting hall, some put both, actually. And his banner over me is love. Letter A, we're called to sit at the banqueting table and feast on the word and promises of God. We'll ultimately participate in this celebratory feast in the fullness at the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we'll gather to celebrate God's love for us and rejoice in our eternal identity as his bride. The literal Hebrew of 
his banquet hall translate to mean his house of wine. And we can partake of the marriage wine now and become inebriated in his love for us. That's part of our inheritance, part of what we walk in now is experiencing God's love. And I'm even reminded of the scripture that says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, where we can actually experience the pleasures of his love in that way. So I have the scripture from Revelation 19, verse 7, let's rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him because the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. So if we talk about this banner, it says his banner over me is love. A banner, you know, you can think about uh, an army or a company of people and the banner over them declares their identity and it also declares their purpose. What are they What are they seeking out to accomplish? So the banner over our lives gives identity and purpose to who we are under the wise, loving, and powerful leadership of Christ. The banner over us speaks of his leadership, and it also speaks of his gaze toward us, him looking at us, gazing on us with love. The banner of love declares that the ultimate goal of Jesus in his leadership is to bring us to full maturity. You take that scripture, Revelation 19, 7, the bride has prepared herself. It's really through the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit that we're prepared. Paul even talked about presenting us. We talked last week, he he talked about presenting us to Christ as a chaste virgin. As we continue to pursue Jesus, he's leading us into the fullness of the revelation of his love for us. He will continue to draw us back to his house of wine to drink deeply of his love. And this is the first priority of his leadership in our lives, to know his love. Even in our disobedience, the Lord will find ways to put up walls and open doors to direct our way back to his banquet hall. So there's, there's many ways that we can end up in the banquet hall, in, in the house of wine, where we can partake of the Lord's presence where we can drink of his love, where we can drink the wine of his presence, and we can feed on his choice fruits that are sweet to our taste. And there's one way where we're, we're just following him there out of willful obedience, voluntary obedience. But there's also times where the Lord, we've all experienced it, he begins to put walls up. He begins to close doors. I've even prayed prayers for people. Lord, every step that they take away from you, would you place a wall and a barrier to guide them back into your presence. And he does that because he is jealous for us and zealous for us. He wants to bring us into the deepest level of understanding of his love. So when we talk about this love banner, the banner of love of his leadership, it can be manifested in three primary ways. One is his loving kindness or his mercy. Or we can say in the context of failure, the banner over our life is confidence in his mercy and not the fear of being rejected by God. And we can, we can declare, his banner over me is love, even in my failure, my weakest moments. I put Hebrews 4.16 there, where we can approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy. The second way that his leadership, the, the love of his leadership as a banner is manifested is in his goodness where even in negative circumstances, the banner over our life is that he works everything for our good. His banner over me is love. He does not neglect me. He does not leave me in negative circumstances, but he's able to take the worst things and bury them as seeds in the soil of his grace and bring goodness about as a result. 
And we know that from Romans 8.28. He causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And the third way that his banner of love is manifested is through his pleasures. As we drink of the wine of God's love, we're intoxicated by his presence instead of seeking the false comfort of sin. Where we can declare he is the thing that satisfies us. And we even talked about last week that all sin is really just misplaced desire, misplaced satisfaction, where we're desiring something that because it th- we think it's going to satisfy us. But if you remember the last time we dove into Song of Solomon, we talked about how really Jesus is the only thing that gets better and better every time that we experience him. All other pleasures in the world are best the first time and they decrease over time. But the pleasures at his right hand and in his presence increase over time. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. So we'll move on to the next verse here, verse 5, Roman numeral 3, talking about the lovesick bride who's crying out for an encounter with God. And she cries out. She's been sitting at his banqueting table, eating of his fruits, drinking of the wine, the house of wine, celebrating his love. And she cries out in response, Refresh me with raisin cakes, sustain me with apples, because I am lovesick. The experience in the banquet hall left the bride lovesick. She has an insatiable desire to go deeper and experience more of God. She cries out to be refreshed and sustained with more of his presence and his word. The raisin cakes are symbolic of the fruit or the wine of the Holy Spirit. Those dried grapes are symbolic of of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the apple tree, we've already said, he is the apple tree, And his apples are the words of life. That scripture in John 6, Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and encounters with the word of God, we're refreshed and sustained. And something that's interesting is that word for sustained, it it can mean to lean on or to cling to, to hold fast to. So the bride is really learning to lean on her beloved here. And to cling to him, to take hold of everything that he has for her. She's longing to be strengthened so that she can experience more of his love. And I have Ephesians 3. This is an apostolic prayer. We pray a lot. We're praying that believers would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? You have to experience it. You have to have experiential knowledge of it. Let it be, we're called to live a life in love sickness, the deep and painful feeling of longing for more of Jesus. As we continue to feel love for God, we will develop spiritual hunger pains that will not be satisfied with anything less than persevering in our pursuit of more. Desperate hunger pains prove that we've been touched by God. We know this from from the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And We've all heard teachings on the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, but you don't have to be literally hungry or devoid of food to be hungry. You know, there's even the the churches in Revelation where Jesus said, you think you're rich, but you're poor. 
you think that you can see, but you're blind, and you need to come to me and buy eye salve for your eyes so that you can see. And in the same way, as we experience more of God's love, we actually become more hungry for his love. And I was just driving home and thinking about this concept that in the world, when we eat, we become full. But in the kingdom, when we eat, we become hungry. You know, if, you, if you're not lovesick for God, maybe, maybe your love has dwindled or it's uh, grown cold or it ha- it's not as intense as it was. You feel like you've lost your first love. Well, the practical way to grow in lovesickness for God is to mourn. The practical way to grow in lovesickness for God is to eat so that you'll become hungry. And sometimes we, we do things that are diligence, like we do things out of diligence, and they become devotions later. You know, a lot of, if, you're, if you're bored by Scripture, or you're bored in His presence, that should be this big red flag alarm in the life of a Christian to the same level of, of having a, a moral sickness in your body. If we're spending time in his presence and it's not satisfying us and it's not wanting, it's not drawing us back after him and we're reading the word and we're bored in the word and we're not being satisfied and rejuvenated, that is something that we should be concerned about because the, the more that you read scripture, the more you become hungry for scripture. But every day that you don't read scripture, you don't seek after scripture, you, you develop less and less of an appetite. See, as we are love growing cold or falling from our first love, it's not something that happens in a day. It's something that happens over time and small decisions and small habits. And we'll, we'll talk about that some more as we go in here. So she's, she's lovesick. She's saying, refresh me with raisins. Refresh me with apples for I'm lovesick. Then she declares, his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. The bride is receiving revelation of the twofold embrace of God. The left hand here is referring to the activity of the Lord that we're unaware of. It's under our head, meaning that we cannot see what it's doing. The Lord does many things for us that we don't see. He withholds and releases many things to bless, provide, protect us. He even ministers to us in our sleep. He, he does things that we're not aware of all the time. And this is his signified by his left hand that's holding our head. It's behind our head, out of sight. The right hand symbolizes his visible and discernible activity in our lives. It's, it's a picture of the king here standing in front of the bride to embrace her. That right hand is embracing her. She can see, she can feel the manifest presence of God that tenderizes her heart. We all have experienced this, where there's the ministry of the Lord that's obvious to us. We show up to a prayer meeting and the spirit of prayer shows up. We pray for healing and the person is healed. It's obvious, it's discernible. We can see it, we can feel it. In his right hand, there's pleasures evermore. There's, his right hand is full of righteousness. His right hand gains the victory and even accomplishes salvation. Those are all things that he does in his embrace of us, his ministry to us. In verse 7 here, Swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, that you will not disturb or awaken my love until she pleases. And this is, some people say this is the Holy Spirit speaking. Some people say this is the bridegroom speaking. Um, Either way, this is God 
speaking to the daughters of Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit ordains seasons in the lives of every believer. Many are quick to run in ministry with the Lord, but neglect the seasons of being drawn away. If you remember back to the beginning of this book, we talked about verse 4, draw us away after you, let us run together. There's the equal importance of being drawn in intimacy toward God and also running after Him at His pace in the place of ministry. Like Martha, who was troubled that her sister wasn't working, but was instead sitting, many in the church will attempt to disturb or awaken those who are in a season of lovesickness, those that are feeding on the raisin cakes, those that are eating the apples, those that are drinking the wine of His presence and growing in the experiential knowledge of His love. It's imperative that we honor the seasons the Lord has ordained for each of our lives. The agenda for the bride in this passage was to feed on the raisin cakes and apples and drink of the wine in God's love. In the secret pursuit of the presence, we gain revelation knowledge of how Jesus sees us. There's great necessity in dedicating these seasons of our lives to go deep in the Word and in God. See, Jesus, or the Spirit, is speaking to these daughters of Jerusalem. Throughout the song, daughters of Jerusalem are... Immature believers, typically. And in this case, these are believers who are lacking discernment of the diverse ministry of the Holy Spirit and of His divine seasons. So they're not seeing, they're thinking, well, you should be doing what I'm doing. You're not running hard after God, so you, you need to fix that. This happens a lot, where even at the beginning of the song, she said, well, I haven't taken care of my own vineyard because I've been tending my brother's vineyards. Well, these brothers, the, the watchmen will often call people into ministry, and when they call them into ministry, they're calling them out of intimacy, because the, these young believers are easily swayed. So the Lord here is charging them not to disrupt the devotion of others by their opinions and judgments. Jesus will awaken us when the seasons change, when it's time, in due season. We'll see that the very next verse is Jesus doing that which we're not going to cover tonight, but you can study ahead if you'd like. Many spiritual leaders will counsel believers to increase in ministry activity and therefore seeking God less. Their, their counsel is for people to increase their activity. Oh, you need to be doing more. You need to be evangelizing more. You need to be leading a Bible study. You need to be uh, serving in the children's ministry, doing all those things. And while I'm not advocating not serving... It's much more important that we're seeking God. It's much more important that we're growing in His love and in the revelation knowledge of His love. He says to swear by the gazelles or by the does of the field. and This refers to the importance of gentleness in relating to young believers when they're in this season. Gazelles and does, they're, they're skittish animals and they can be easily startled. So he's comparing the bride here to a gazelle, or comparing the bride here to a doe of the field, that if you approach it too aggressively, it's going to be scared off. And in the same way, many believers are easily distracted from the word. They're easily distracted from the secret place. They're easily distracted from meeting with God regularly and becoming lovesick, allowing him to draw them away into the banquet hall. And this can cause our love for God to fade when that happens. Revelation 2, verse 4 and 5, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus. He says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. 
which infers that the church in Ephesus was once on fire. They were once lovesick after God. They were seeking after Him. They were putting the first commandment in first place to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But somewhere along the way, verse 5, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Jesus gives them the solution right there. He says, do the things you did at first. Well, a lot of times we go, well, you know, I was so immature back then. You know, I, was, I didn't really know anything. I was just so young and zealous. And Jesus is like, yes, you were young and zealous. Do those deeds again. Do the deeds you did at first, and you will find and awaken your first love again. Letter D. Three times Jesus embraces the bride and speaks this phrase, do not disturb or awaken my love until she pleases. It happens here in chapter 2, it happens again in chapter 3, and it happens at the end of the book in chapter 8. This displays that this season happens periodically through our lives, where God will draw us away into the banquet hall. He'll draw us after Him. He'll say, I need you to spend more time with me right now. I need you to spend more time studying my word right now. I need you to take some time away. And, and sometimes it's a sabbatical, you know, see, see people take sabbaticals. Sometimes it's a career change. Sometimes he changes the momentum of our lives in various different ways by setting up roadblocks or by calling us into voluntary obedience. And he's drawing us into that place and then he protects us. He says, don't disturb or awaken this one until she pleases. What's really interesting is that the third time he says it, and we'll see this when we get to chapter 8, he doesn't say by the gazelles or by the does. He says it the first two times, but he doesn't say it the third time. And this is because at this moment she's no longer immature and easily tossed to and fro by life's circumstances. She's not so easily swayed by every wind of doctrine. She doesn't care so much about what her leaders are saying to her or about her. She's more concerned about leaning on her beloved. So really, that I'd like to just read through this whole scripture one more time, and we can kind of piece this together. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4, all the way to 7. He has brought me to his banquet hall, to his house of wine. It's the bride speaking. And his banner, his leadership over me is love. All of, all of his leadership in our life is first to draw us after him in love, to draw us into the place of love. And there's those three areas, his loving kindness, his goodness, and his pleasures that are manifested of the leadership banner of his love. Verse 5, refresh me with raisin cakes, sustain me with apples because I'm lovesick. She's saying, strengthen me, uphold me, let me, let me cling to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of Jesus. Let me have more of the Spirit, the raisin cakes. Let me have more of Jesus, the apples. Let them sustain me. Because I am lovesick. As, as she has experienced his love, she's now d experiencing this deep groan for more. So she's crying out for more. Give me more of the Spirit. Give me more of Jesus, for I'm lovesick. His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. She's in this face-to-face -face encounter with the bridegroom. And she is receiving revelation of, he's been at work this whole time. He's ministering behind the scenes and he's ministering in front of me. I'm experiencing his presence. 
So she's in this, almost like this sleep, which a lot of commentators refer to it as the death to self. She's entering into this experience with the love of Christ, where she's falling asleep to the old man and coming into an awakening of who she is as a new creation, as a lover of God, as the inheritance of Christ, with this sevenfold confession. And then Jesus says over her to the believers around her, Swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, by the does of the field, be gentle. Don't disturb or awaken my love until she pleases. Don't stir her up and scare her away from this season of intimacy. So I'll pray for us. Father, I ask that you would bring these words to life. Lord, there's so much depth to what you're speaking through the song to us tonight. God, I ask that you would strengthen us tonight. Would you sustain us, refresh us, strengthen us to comprehend your love, to experientially know it so that we'll be filled with all the fullness of God. God, would you draw us into love sickness? Lord, I thank you for, for the morning of love sickness. I thank you for the hunger and the thirst of love sickness. I thank you that we have the privilege to fast because we're mourning for the bridegroom. We're lovesick for you tonight. Lord, would you draw us into the banqueting hall tonight, separately and corporately? Would you draw us into encounters with your love, experiential encounters, that we would know how you see us, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Lord, we want to sit in your shade and take great delight. We want to taste your fruit. We want to experience your presence in a sweeter and a deeper way. Lord, draw us after you. In Jesus' name, amen.